Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everyone. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. We are talking about the transfer portal, which is hopping, and lots of good stuff to talk about there. Almost exclusively good developments, which is always a fun thing to spend some time talking about. Um, But first, I know we often talk about what we're drinking. I'm drinking uh, an old-fashioned with Larceny bourbon. Uh, But I actually was wondering, I'm putting you on the spot, we did not talk talk about this ahead of time. Is there anything that you specifically know you'll be cooking for the holidays that you have already planned out? Ooh, um, not in terms of like main courses or, or things at, you know, Christmas dinner, but, uh, I've decided that I'm going to try to make homemade marshmallows, um, and like oh, really cool. fancy hot chocolate and kind of do a, a family thing out of, out of that. Is that like potentially a Christmas Eve evening kind of thing? Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, I was going to use actual like dark chocolate and milk and, you know, try to whisk it together and get it real dark and creamy and then make some uh, really nice, like vanilla flavored marshmallows or something like that. It'll be cool. That is cool. Uh, I, (laughs) it's funny to call it a tradition because I've done it one time, but uh, I started a tradition last year uh, where I smoked a duck uh, and made smoked duck gumbo. And I'm going to do that again this year because it was unbelievable last year. Mm-hmm. And then also um, my oldest son, who's seven, he and I made a pineapple upside down cake last year that we're going to repeat this year as well. Um, I have some other menu planned and all that kind of stuff because I'm kind of dorky about that stuff. But um, yeah, those are those are so far kind of the the things worth talking about. Have you ever had a smoked duck gumbo? Oh man, I've not. I've had smoked duck. I'm pretty mm. sure, but I think I've only had it in like a pasta, which sounds mm. weird, but also it's really good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, smoked duck just in general is awesome. Um, but yeah, in a gumbo, it it works well. And then I used the bones to make stock and all that kind of thing. And yeah, mm. it, was, it just came together really well. But let's talk about football. Um, So, yeah, the portal has been open since December 4th. That's seven days. Uh, And Ole Miss has just been crushing it so far. Uh, So uh, before we talk about what they've actually done in the portal, let's talk about some news of who is returning. And I think that at least two of these guys were pretty surprising to me. Uh, so today, Trey Harris announced that he'll be coming back, and I can't believe it. I can't either. I mean, through two games, uh, you know, and most of the season, every time you see them throw, every time you see Jackson Dart throw Trey Harris the ball, it's like, man, that's that's an NFL player next year. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, he played in 10 games uh, because he had the injury. He had 47 catches for 851 yards, 18 yards per catch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And, and like he's not he's not like an especially fast guy, which I guess is probably a knock that may have like moved him down some draft boards or whatever. But 50-50 balls are like 80-20 balls with him, um, which is just absurd. Just a crazy skill to have. Yeah, and his, you know, elusiveness after the catch is uh, does not suggest that he's slow, even though I, I kind of know what you mean. He's not a burner. But no, yeah, yeah. Dude can make people miss and break some tackles uh, after the catch. He's just a remarkable player. Um, I think the injury even affected him, you know, as the season wore on. I don't know that we ever really saw him totally healthy again after that, and he was still just carving it up. Well, against A and M, it's hard to imagine he was not healthy. Eleven for two thirteen and a touchdown. <laughs> <clears throat> That was that was the game where you're just like, huh? Yeah, Trey uh, Trey Harris, he's he's getting it done. Yeah, um, yeah, just so excited to have him coming back. Uh, you know, Dayton Wade announced that he was leaving, um, not transferring or anything. He, I think he's going pro. Uh, but yeah, other than that, um, you know, to have Trey Harris coming back is just is just huge. And then. The next guy on our list, Jordan Watkins, also announced he's coming back. So the top two receivers from the team. uh, And I I say that like Dayton Wade was spectacular as well. I'm not trying to downplay the guy. But uh, Jordan Watkins and Trey Harris were the most productive on the team. And they're both back. And Ole Miss is adding some things and has potential to add more. But yeah, Jordan Watkins, let's talk about him for a minute. Because that guy uh, probably doesn't get his due. No, he really doesn't. The thing that I've always appreciated about him, and, you know, this is more anecdotal than analytical, but he gets open at clutch times and wide open. Uh, It seems like when the offense stalls, he's the guy who often breaks it in the passing game. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Um, Also, like, you may also be getting it, like, on third down, it seems like he's often a guy that Jackson Dart would go to. Um. Yeah, he actually, you know, he his the first five or so games uh, of the season, he was he was super productive uh, and really was on a tear. Uh, when Trey Harris kind of came back, then Watkins' production went down, uh, but he was still he ser- still served as sort of like a safety valve uh, and and a key piece to making the offense run. Yeah, um, and he played he through will... his own injury too. Oh yeah, <laughs> he broke his hand, right? Yeah, which is famously an important body part for a wide receiver. And then later that week, he caught punts. Yeah, in in an SEC game. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, again, you know, seems like a a good guy, and obviously a really important piece. Uh, another important piece of the passing game, Caden Priestcorn is coming back. Yeah, another big surprise. Um, I I think that was certainly his plan to be one and done at Ole Miss. Yeah. And, um, again, I think a, a nagging injury to him probably helped Ole Miss hang on to him because as as dominant and crucial as he was in the run game, he didn't get to show a ton as a receiver. He just looked... Looked a little hobbled out there, even when, you know, he was playing every snap on offense. 
Yeah. And obviously like it's, it's fun. You know, he had the, the huge touchdown catch against state uh, that kind of helped Ole Miss pull away in that game. Um, and he has very soft hands and, you know, a good catch radius and all that sort of stuff. It's, but it's not like he is some elite receiver who seems a lot like a, I mean, sorry, tight end who seems a lot like a receiver or at least, wasn't in his full season at Ole Miss. In Memphis, he was crazy in that department. I think he had like 70 catches or something like that. Uh, but, you know, didn't really do that at Ole Miss as much. But is also just a ridiculous blocker. You know, so good that he drew two flags this season that were just essentially called on him for blocking his guy too well. Uh, and and I, I'm I'm really not exaggerating, like, those of you who know the the plays I'm talking about, like he just he just took his guy and and you know drove him into the ground and I guess the refs were not not pleased with it, but neither of the things ones I'm thinking of were anything close to actual holding. No, no, not at all. But yeah, I guess if you're a referee and you see a tackler just get erased like that. You're that's where your brain goes, you know, must've been a hold. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, gosh, what, what crazy news that those three, Trey Harris, Caden Prescorn and Jordan Watkins are all back. Um, just magnificent for the, the possibilities that this team has. And Jackson Dart hasn't officially announced anything. Lane Kiffin earlier in the year said he was coming back. Uh, you have to think that Dart is coming back. Yeah, I mean, wasn't there even some sort of announcement about a new campaign with him and like Realtree or something today? Mm. I, I want to say that there was something on Twitter that that it was just like, okay, well, if there's this new endorsement deal with Jackson Dart, he's probably hanging around. Maybe. I, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, but I'll, I'll I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah, like, and then Micah Pettis also announced he's coming back. Uh, so you have a right tackle. Your top two receivers, arguably Dayton Wade, may, may be a top receiver over Watkins, uh, and you have a an instrumental tight end, and a third year starting quarterback returning. So the offense. Seems like it'll be probably pretty good, assuming they can find some offensive linemen uh, to help bolster the ranks there. Yeah, and I think a lot or a decent amount of the urgency in finding portal offensive linemen was based on a sneaking suspicion that Micah Pettis might leave. Uh, yeah. So that's one fewer starter that you now have to replace. Yeah, yeah. Um. Switching over to the defensive side, uh, the only defender who has announced he's returning is J.J. Pegues. Uh Cedric Johnson announced that he's, or I guess he didn't technically announce that he's going pro, right? But he is participating in the Senior Bowl. So Yeah, that is the Senior Bowl. Right, right. Um, and still no definitive word on Jared Ivey. Um, but, you know, other than those guys no major defensive players that are kind of up in the air. Uh, it's either, you know, the best players 
for Ole Miss, the, the defense have either announced they're returning or don't have any eligibility remaining. Yeah, the only the only two that I can think of that we're waiting on are John Saunders and Kari Coleman. Um, you know, both would be big announcements to return, but I think both are really good players, but they're easier to replace than a JJ Pegues or something like that. Like a, a defensive, yeah. you know, semi elite defensive line starter. It's easier to find a linebacker to be in the rotation or a safety to be in the rotation. Um, yeah. Also, unless those guys just don't want to play football anymore, I kind of don't know what they would be leaving to do. And I don't mean like, I think they're bad or something like that. I just, they don't seem like NFL guys and they have eligibility left, but they both transferred to Ole Miss. So you wouldn't think they would be able to transfer out. I guess they'd probably both be graduate and you get a, you get an extra transfer when you're a graduate student. Um, yeah. That, so maybe there's that. That's right. But I, I still think they seem pretty favorable to return. Um, especially Saunders. I, I'm not really basing that on anything other than the fact that he's only been here one year and had, you know, a pretty big coming out party. Um, oh yeah. And you he know, I, I think he might be an NFL player. I don't think he's like a surefire draftee, but well, yeah, that, that's, that's sort of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not like he's like destined to automatically, you know, definitely make a team or something like that. But yeah, I could see him doing a Mike Hilton sort of thing. Uh, and just sneaking onto a roster and then sticking on it for seven years or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about what Ole Miss has brought in on defense so far. Uh, plenty of portal season left. We're, I'm, I'm refreshing things way too often. I message some people way too often, uh, and they're probably annoyed with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but three huge portal pickups. On the defensive side, uh, first let's talk about Chris Pooh Paul. That's P O O H, like Winnie the Pooh Paul, mm-hmm. linebacker from Arkansas. He had seventy-two tackles, I think, last season uh, as a starter at Arkansas, and he has two years of eligibility left. Is that right? Maybe only one. Well. No, it should be two because he yeah. he was a redshirt freshman in 2022, uh, and he was named freshman All SEC that year. Right. Yeah. Um, and spoiler alert: he is probably going to be the best linebacker on the team, um, even with Sunterine Perkins. I don't know, man. He just looks really good to me. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be, yeah. I think he's a surefire starter and, and probably the best linebacker on the team as soon as he sets foot on campus. Yeah, so I just verified that he he does have two years of eligibility left. Um, I mean, look, there's there's no reason at this time to suggest that Sunterine Perkins would automatically supplant him in any way. I mean, Perkins, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, like occasionally has the ability to teleport which is yes you know really helpful really helpful on defense uh but you know made a lot of mistakes uh as a true freshman and has has work to do to be able to kind of 
gain the trust he needs to, or the confidence, I guess, he needs to be able to really excel. Uh, you don't think, or at least I don't think that Chris Paul has that that same problem. No, and you know we're not knocking Perkins at all. Uh, oh no, uh, no, he's super whole, talented. Yeah, a whole off season will do him a ton of good because remember he wasn't there for spring ball, and if you're wanting to play at linebacker as a true freshman, like showing up in August is hard, man. Um, yeah, uh, but he still did really well, and you know he kind of played out of position. Uh, you know, kind of at that rush you know, linebacker slash hybrid mm. end, whatever position, um, mm. just because it's a little easier schematically. And, you know, he, he made a bunch of big plays, um, but was just very, very undersized for that. So if any SEC offensive lineman gets a hand on him, it's kind of over for him. But uh, I can imagine that he'll probably play more of, you know, an upfield linebacker, um, given time to learn the system. And I think he'll, he'll really excel at that. And then, yeah, potentially have him starting next to Paul and have, you know, a pretty solid SEC duo there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris Paul, fast, explosive player listed at six one two thirty. 230. Uh, really, a. uh, an anchor. He was the number one portal linebacker, according to, I think on three. Um, yeah. So the, the number one linebacker is that's cool. You can't yeah, do we better. Think that. Yeah. <laughs> you get that for the quarterback too. Uh, something that's, you know, very evident watching his highlights and stuff. That's right. That's right. So two other portal pickups. And I think these were fascinating because, uh, no one that I had talked to uh, knew any or had mentioned these guys to me. Uh, and from reading, you know, some of the other articles and things, uh, it didn't seem that other people really knew about them either. Uh, Taz Nicholson, a corner from Illinois, and Lewis Moore, uh, safety from Indiana. Uh, both, well, I should say, uh, Lewis Moore, a proven great, very good player, uh, eighty something tackles, three picks, three forced fumbles this year, uh, and at, at safety in at Indiana, and then Taz Nicholson, as a sophomore corner, what was spectacular for Illinois, they led the nation in pass efficiency defense and also scoring defense. Uh, as a junior, he sort of regressed. I mean, the defense regressed overall. And so, you know, he didn't have as good of a year. Uh, he also was penalized a lot. I think he was actually the most penalized player in the country. I think he had like 11 uh, penalties on defense. Um, but if Ole Miss is getting that sophomore version, which is what Kenoto Hudson, who is the Ole Miss corners coach, who coached at Illinois last year, uh, you know, Kenoto Hudson was there and Taz Nicholson was spectacular. Maybe Kenoto Hudson has the key to it and maybe he can make Taz Nicholson spectacular again. And then, you know, a cornerback position that almost desperately needs to fix or excuse me, to replace, uh, is, is a little less concerning. Yeah. Yeah. A huge pickup and 
not necessarily a surefire starter. It, you know, depends on which version of him shows up, but, you know, definitely brings in the potential to be a solid starter. And, and yeah, we, we have to bring in a couple of guys like that. He's one of the higher rated corners in the portal, um, you know, despite his struggles this season uh, compared to the last season. So yeah, cool, cool guy to bring in, especially, you know, kind of like you said, came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I think that Lewis Moore puts Ole Miss in a really great spot to replace uh, Dijon Anthony and potentially John Saunders, you know, if, if he's gone. Obviously, those are two guys, and Lewis Moore is only one, but uh, he still fills the very experienced, or actually not all experienced, he was a JUCO guy, uh, and... Spent two years at Indiana, but yeah, 83 tackles. Uh, you know, he he is a reliable guy who can make things happen and is an exciting player. Um, I actually wanted to talk about this. So if we think about Dijon Anthony, Teja Young, John Saunders, and even Deshaun Gaddy. So last year when Ole Miss went into the portal for defensive backs, it got a bunch of group of five guys who were accomplished at the group group of five level and sort of wanted to be able to make their mark uh, in power five. This year, and, and that worked out well. Uh, it is phenomenal and, and crazy to me that Dijon Anthony at Liberty, he had 27 tackles last year. Uh, and this year at Ole Miss, he had 58. <laughs> Um, yeah. and is, you know, vital to beating LSU, which is the, the biggest win of the year. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like these two guys so far are not in the, like, find a diamond in the rough category at defensive back. They have played against great teams before and, you know, shown they can do it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting departure in in you know the the coaching staff's portal strategy as a whole. It seems like last year was all about moneyball, going after G five guys, and and really the portal season got off to a slow start, you know. Um, but this year, just guns are blazing, like just getting big guys starting for other P five teams right out of the gate. And, you know, we've only named three guys. So you may think like, well, you know, that's only three guys. But like there's a lot of heat surrounding a bunch of other players. And, you know, we don't want to like get out ahead of our skis and claim we're going to land all these guys. But like there's a tremendous amount of momentum, like wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean. And there are people visiting or who have visited, who could change things even more, right? Like, that's that's another piece of it, is, like, you have guys on campus constantly who could make a huge difference for the team. Um, Juice Wells visited this past week, wide receiver, or this past weekend, wide receiver from South Carolina, uh, who tore it up there two years ago. Had an injury this year. I don't think it was an ACL or anything. Wasn't it just like a, a leg injury? Something that doesn't seem scary to recover yeah, from? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was anything career-altering. I think it was just nagging. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, I mean, we could talk about him, I guess. Like he would, he would be fantastic and would put Ole Miss into a spot at receiver that it kind of hasn't really been at. Um, Dayton Wade has been, has been great. Uh, Juice Wells is probably better or at least can be used in a better way within old, within Lane Kiffin's offense, if that makes sense. I mean, Juice Wells was a preseason All-SEC selection. Right. Like, I, I think a first-teamer. I'd have to double-check that, but... Oh, wow, yeah. Um, yeah, he... His game style... I described him to you. I sent a text message to you that he is... Um, Elijah Moore 0.8 because I actually hate when people ever always say that someone is like this Hall of Fame Ole Miss player 2.0. Uh, I I'm not saying that he's Elijah Moore 2.0. That's preposterous. Uh, but he's like kind of the same player. Probably not as good as Elijah Moore. But like, does he have to be as good as Elijah Moore? Probably no, not. No, he doesn't. But even so, I mean, so Elijah Moore, phenomenally quick, phenomenal at finding holes in the zone, um, great hands, clutch, et cetera. Juice Wells, though, weighs like 210 pounds. Uh, like, and he, yeah. he just yeah. turns into a running back after the catch, um, watching his highlights. Um, he's, you know, that's a really good skill set he has. Yeah, I mean, in terms of body and everything, he, he's a different player than Elijah Moore, but he, he should be used in a similar fashion to Elijah Moore. Yeah, agreed. Um. Carter Smith was the starting left tackle last year as a redshirt freshman for Indiana. And I think gave up like three quarterback hurries or something like that in the season. Uh, yeah. Getting him would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is a weird thing. Portal rankings are always really confusing to me. If you, I don't know, it's, it's hard to compare guys across four different classes, which is what you're doing when you try to rank portal players. Right. But he's a redshirt freshman who started at left tackle in the Big Ten and did so really well. Uh, and he's still like the number six or something offensive tackle in the portal behind a bunch of guys who are seniors and you only get for one year. Like, <laughs> Cool, cool. Uh, get Carter Smith. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would, to your point, like Micah Pettis coming back kind of makes the offensive line a little less of a concern. If you get Carter Smith, then like you kind of have to find maybe one or two more guys who are able to fill holes that pop up, but not as much like guys who are, you know, essential to whether the offense works or not. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, a guy like that, we, I mean... Victor Kern played really well in a role that we didn't expect him to have to play starting at left tackle all year. Uh, yeah. But Carter Smith would be better than him. Uh, Probably. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So that's, I mean, he would definitely be a bigger get when we get, if we get him right, that would be a, a much bigger deal than Victor Kern was. Yeah. Although current, honestly, I'm I'm kind of a sell on our chances to get Carter Smith right now. Um, yeah. So he did he did visit, but he's now in in Tallahassee visiting Florida State, and I don't know. I, I don't have the warm fuzzies about it, but you know, I'd love to be proven wrong. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that we you hate when a guy doesn't go ahead and commit. <laughs> 
but we don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had heard that things were going pretty well with him. Um, and, and we'll see how, how things go. Uh, Gerquan Smith. Scott. I'm sorry. Gerquan Scott uh, from Southern Miss um, is another. He played guard at Southern Miss. He's being sort of projected as a tackle. Started 40 games for Southern Miss. And is actually, you know, Southern, I kind of, they're bad. So, so you don't necessarily think of like a bunch of players coming from them. Uh, but he does have interest from a number of different significant programs. It's not like it's Ole Miss and uh, a bunch of nobodies. Yeah, I think Auburn is the other the other big school that's in play right now. Um, I think he visited maybe Auburn and South Carolina, or that was his plan. So, you know, three SEC teams, um, none of which are Mississippi State or Vanderbilt. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, he'd be good, too. Um, two other players that are, that are worth talking about. We have a few others we can talk through, uh, but kind of don't want to just talk about every single player. Two other players that defensively would really change the ceiling for the defense and the floor uh, are Princely Umanmielen and Walter Nolan. You want to talk about Princely Umanmielen before? Uh, first, uh, yeah, sure. So he is an edge rusher from the University of Florida. Um, he is currently ranked, I think, as the number one edge player in the portal. Um, let's see. Sorry, I'm trying to look up some stats so I don't misspeak. So he would be a senior. Um, each of the last two years, he's had like 39 tackles. Uh, this year, he had seven sacks, and you know, playing in the SEC. Um, and yeah, just kind of a prototypical size guy. He's listed at six, five, 255. Um, and yeah, a, a pass rusher, probably the likes of which we didn't have on the team this year. Um, and yeah, like I said, the number one ranked edge rusher. So if you want to address that need, um, which I would call it that, especially with Cedric Johnson, uh, announcing that he's going pro. If you yeah. could just seamlessly replace Cedric Johnson with perhaps a better player with a you know higher ceiling, like man, what a win! Yeah, and you know, Ole Miss has a number of defensive linemen coming in uh, as freshmen and that sort of thing, but uh, you can't rely on that. And getting a guy who had done it already in the SEC and at a high level, even if it's just for a year, it could make a huge difference. Um, the other one, Walter Nolan, defensive tackle from AM. He was the number one player in the country two years ago, uh, coming out of high school. And uh, actually, he's originally from like the Olive Branch area. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think so. He's, he's moved around a lot, which is if you're going to raise a red flag about him, it's that he went to like eight different high schools. Uh, not eight, uh -huh. but more than two. Right, right. Yeah, um, but 6'4", 290, last season. So he started for two years at A&M. He will probably just go somewhere for a year and then go pro. Uh, but last season at A&M, he had four sacks and eight tackles for loss, 37 total tackles, and he's a defensive tackle. So 
you know, typically you don't see like those guys being as disruptive as he was. His numbers are actually very similar to JJ Pegues. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two together with, you know, potentially Jared Ivey if he comes back and potentially Princely Umamielin, that would be a defensive line that was capable of kind of winning some games on its own to some degree, which Ole Miss hasn't had in quite a while. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and Nolan, like, if you look at a picture of him, to me, he looks like Robert Kimdichie. He just looks like you took an athletic-built, you know, normal sized person and then blew him up to six, four, 300 pounds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. just like, has very little fat. Uh, it uh-huh. just looks like, you know, it's hard to believe he's a defensive tackle. Yeah. He's definitely a guy that when you see a picture, you're like, wait, 300 pounds. Really? Like that's that guy. Um, yeah. That's you know, guy not, you it's want. not like, it's not like he has a six pack or I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't been staring at pictures of the guy with his shirt off, but uh, you know there were there were famous pictures with Robert Kimdiche like working out, uh, pulling sleds and things like that. They were just like, okay, this is just a person who looks like he has Ant Man abilities to grow to be whatever size he wants. Uh, Walter Nolan isn't exactly that. Like he, you know, has some fat on his body, but it's not like he has fat that is synonymous with the 300 pound person. Yeah. Yeah. Like crazy, crazy looking physical specimen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So those two would, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's funny to think about it like this, but like those two probably win a game or two. Just, you know, just if you solely get them. Yeah. Uh, and, and the team is already bringing back so much. I mean, right, right. They're 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 gearing up to. I don't know, man. Have another ten win regular season, and and maybe have a higher ceiling when you run up against Georgia or Alabama. You know. Yeah, I mean, luckily they don't play Alabama next year. They don't. Um, they don't. Yeah, but it's still going to be tough to come out. So. Georgia, I think having seen the game this year, you have to you have to suspect that it's a near certain loss. Uh, I know that it's like things change year to year. I, I get it. I understand the arguments and everything. But 52-17 is is pretty telling. Um, but the other, you know, the other games that are tough, I guess, are Oklahoma, LSU, and not Florida. I mean, losing to Florida would be a pretty big upset loss and really frustrating uh if if that were to happen so it's really lsu and oklahoma um in terms of like concerning teams of course Ole miss could could lose to to several different teams on the schedule but um if you can come out of those three only having lost one or two they're in a pretty good spot yeah absolutely and and man those will be lsu and oklahoma I mean, shaping up to be just incredible games, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. There's, there's some reason for excitement next year, and actually, that that gets at the next question I had here, uh, which is what we'll kind of close with. Um, 
what do you think that Ole Miss needs to add? And I don't mean who, but in general, what do you think Ole Miss needs to add to get to the point where it will be, you know, almost in, almost definitely competing for that playoff spot? I know that it's easy to say, like, well, they could just replicate this year because, you know, we technically Ole Miss would have been in the playoff if there had been a 12-team playoff. I, I'm not talking about that. Like, what what concerns does Ole Miss need to solve for it to be in this same position next year? I mean, I would say in order, uh, offensive line, specifically offensive tackle, um, and pass rush, whether that comes from an edge player or, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. And corners. I mean, sure. Ole Miss just has to have corners. It doesn't, it's not like, you know, that's not a position necessarily that Ole Miss has to just like hit a bunch of home runs on. Um, but it, it really just needs like able bodies at the moment and doesn't really have that. Chris Graves is, I think, going to be fine next year. Uh, but beyond him, like, there's no experience with, with DeMarco Williams announcing that he's transferring. Yeah, yeah, it is a very concerning position. And, and yeah, if you if you have bad cornerbacks, that's where you're, you know, giving up third and long frequently comes from, you know, uh, or you know, a, a source of, of that kind of defensive lapse. So, you know, finding guys that can just let pass rushers do their thing and let linebackers do their thing um, is going to be important. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that's, that's an achievable goal in the, in the portal, even if you don't hit on your first, you know, two or three prospects, you know? Right. Right. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Um, We, we will definitely have another pod uh, very soon. We'll have more transfer portal stuff to discuss, I'm sure. Uh, and also, we still have to preview the the Penn State game, although that's not for a while. Yeah. But until then, we're signing off. All right.